G'day and welcome to Lunch Money, uh, your online and social media home for uh, special situations, workouts and capital raising professionals. As you can see, uh, I have with me today Neil Cusson who, uh, from Core Quarters. How are you going, Neil? Yeah, going really well, Nick. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're very, very welcome. Thank you for coming along. Look, our topic of the day is going to be um, beyond the sales pitch, choosing a business advisor in times of crisis. Uh, and we will get to that very shortly um, because I'm seeing so much bad advice out there and I'm sure you are too. You've got, uh, like me, one or two grey hairs. So uh, we've seen the consequences of bad advice uh, in our time. Um, what I would do, what I do first is just ask you how you're seeing things. What's, what's going on? The interest rates are tightening. You know, construction companies seem to be going belly up by the day. Um, what's 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 going on the way you see it from core quarters? Yeah, look, uh, I think uh, my core quarters partners and I are seeing seeing a lot of stress in the market and a lot of uh, a lot of inquiry about what what to do next and. Uh, I think it's not just uh, interest rates which are starting to, to hit. Um, and I think we all appreciate that only about a third of Australians have uh, a material mortgage. So that's uh, that's only one sector of the uh, of the economy. But uh, a lot of stress uh, from in small business, particularly that SME businesses around uh, other costs outside of interest rates, finding the right staff, getting supply. But also electricity costs are enormous for small cafes and restaurants. And we're seeing you know, some closures there, which is just quite sad. I mean, SME are the, the backbone of uh, the Australian economy. So I think uh, we, we can't forget those SME businesses and the government's, government needs to give them a little bit more, a little bit more help. Um, you mentioned construction. Yeah, we've probably seen at least 30% of uh, administrations or insolvencies in that construction space. If you add a, a property element there, you're probably looking at up to 50% of um, those distressed uh, insolvencies being in that construction property space. There's there's other in retail uh, transport we've seen more recently as as well. But uh, yeah, and what, and what the stuff that you like when people are ringing you, what was it? Is it mainly construction? Is it just construction and retail? Is there anything that's jumping out? Um, as I said, a bit of transport that's, that's come off the back of some, some larger collapses. Um, yeah. So that supply chain style businesses. And on the construction, I, I get people trying to tell me that it's the builders that are in trouble because of fixed costs. It's not the developers. But I, you know, I don't know. I was around in 91. You know, I'm, I'm just not buying that. Well, what do you think? No, I think it's a combination of both of them, actually. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the combination there, there's obviously, you know, developer-builder um, relationships and many of those, particularly in Western Sydney, are related in some way. And yeah. uh, so there's a combination of elements there for both, both builders and developers. And when we, uh, when we look at the notices every day, we're seeing more and more activity by the ATO uh, uh, finally deciding to reel in its debts. I've got this... Uh, this headline here from uh, Robert Godliebson, you know, vicious ATO-led hunt to recover 33 billion risks economic destruction. I mean, he's a, he's a great journalist, um, obviously, you know, Robert Godliebson. He's been around a long time. He's not normally, um, you know, one for exaggeration. Uh, he's, got, he's got the words vicious and destruction uh, all in the one headline there. Um, we're certainly seeing them turning up in the notices more. What, 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 what's your take? Yeah, look, uh, you, you, if you go back to the global financial 
crisis. Um, the ATA really didn't did nothing for in terms of recovery for three or four years, and then had to then look at recycling capital um, for the economy. And that's exactly what's happened after COVID. We've had uh, uh, two and a half years of pretty lightweight ATA activity, and uh, you know now they're they're moving forward with uh, with their collection processes. There's more. Um, DPNs or director penalty notices being issued. Um, some saying they're thousands, uh, depending on who you're talking to at the moment. And that's just a catch up over the last two, two and a half years. And, and the ATA quite rightly, you know, needs to, um, you know, collect debts for us as, uh, as part of our, uh, uh, our government processes and recycle that capital that's probably sitting back, whether in, in companies that aren't doing a lot, zombie companies or, or others that, um, just need, need to be cleaned up, I think. And look, uh, that sort of leads us into the topic of the day because obviously one of the ATO's tools is to send out director penalty notices. And, you know, whilst, you know, for some people, director penalty notices, why do we always talk about them? I mean, it's so boring. Haven't we got anything else to talk about? But of course, a business that's in trouble, nothing happens until uh, there's a trigger. You know, the, the, we, we tend to stick our heads in the sand, you know, whether it comes to our health or, you know, our financial health or whatever it is. And until something really gives us a kick uh, or someone holds a gun at our head, we tend not to do anything. And the director penalty notices are, are, just, are just that, you know, where the ATO is threatening to either, you know, close down the business or take action personally against the directors. And uh, so it's usually when they've got that director's penalty notice or some other form of demand from another creditor or, or maybe demands from the bank that people actually seek advice. And that brings us to the topic of today. Um, so I'm going to ask you, it's kind of like a, a tabloid journalism question, if you don't mind, uh, and you'll see what I mean in a moment. What is worse, bad advice or no advice? Well, it's an it's a, it's interesting question, I guess, because um, I think that the first part of the answer is the right one is to seek advice. So... Um, one of my catchphrases for, for all my people is to surround yourself with good people and it makes your life so much easier. And seeking advice, I think, is, is, is always the best alternative, particularly um, none of us have a monopoly on knowledge, so it's always good to uh, reach out um, when we don't have all the answers and, uh, and get some informative advice. Look, sometimes that advice can be um, self-indulgent or um, misleading or bad uh, but I think generally I think it, as, a, as a large percentage advice is always something that you can then make a good decision around you can take that information into account and uh, and, and you know it's part of that decision making process so I think my answer would be um, you know seeking advice is always uh, the best policy well, I mean, as someone, you know, you've, you've obviously carry insurance for giving advice, and if you give the wrong advice, someone someone can sue you because you're you're insured for that. I'm not insured for advice, so there's only two pieces of advice that I give. Uh, the first one is, uh, and you can sue me on this advice, and that is to get advice. Uh, that's that's my advice. Um, how, how often? I mean, I, how many times have you got to a situation? And it's just an unsalvageable train wreck because of bad advice where you go, you know what, I've been appointed administrator now, you know, if I'd been able to get to this before you got the bad advice. I mean, is that, I mean, I see it all the time. Is that something that you see? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I think it's unfortunate in human nature that people probably act 
not as quickly as they should and put their hand up as quickly as they should. The Corporations Act was changed in 92-93 to bring the voluntary administration process in was all about the directors of companies who have some sort of distress situation put their hand up a little early and and and, and make a change and uh, you know if there is a crisis that's there's always a perceived turning point there um, and taking those appointments as administrator if it is too late or you're told certain things uh, that lead into administration that aren't quite true then sometimes that train wreck can occur but uh, um, the advisor can only go um, on what he's told and enter into a position where he or she is is providing a roadmap going forward. But uh, if all the, the chess pieces before that are, are in the wrong the wrong order, then that makes 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 the administrator or the decision maker's uh, position more difficult. Well, I'll ask you. I'll ask you to if you can think of any examples recently where someone has taken the wrong advice, maybe signed something they shouldn't have signed. And by the time you got there, uh, it was either too late or you had to perform some magic to pull it off. And while you're thinking about the answer to that question, I'll give you a couple of examples of my own. I mean, as a financier, you know, we get asked to uh, refinance or provide, often it's to, to refinance the bank, for example, because the bank has got fed up. Uh, maybe there's an administrator appointed and working capital is needed for the trade on. Um, but often what happens is we get to the scene last and there's been, uh, you know, a, a broker, let's say a mortgage broker, for example, uh, who has got a solution for a small piece of the overall requirement. And then they get the client to sign a letter. And but the client can't proceed with that small piece because they need, you know, three other pieces of finance. And so then I get to the scene and I go, well, yes, I can do all that. But the mortgage guy goes, well, you've signed this piece of paper, you've committed, you've got to pay me a $200,000 fee. So not only now do I need to pay the bank out, provide some working capital, I've also got to pay this guy a $200,000 fee. And that's because the client was badly advised. They shouldn't have signed that. They, they're dealing with the wrong person. And if you have enough of those, uh, enough of those, I mean, I've seen them when they've signed two or three of these things by the time I get there. And I'm not doing anyone any favours except these other people who haven't done any real work uh, and are just looking to get paid. Um, you, what, what are some examples maybe that, that you've come across where there's been bad advice? I think the the, uh, the way, you know, you mentioned DPNs earlier, that the way they're structured, they're, they're sent to usually a registered office. And um, when we've accepted appointments, we've talked about DPNs and no one's received those. Um, and we can set on a course of action around that. But um, what's been mistaken is that the, the DPNs have been sent to a registered office um, and that accountant may or may not continue to, to work for the company. Uh, that registered office may be vacated. And so those, those uh, notices are live. However, no one's, no one's received them, no one's actioned those, and therefore, notwithstanding, you go down a certain um, tack to try to um, protect and preserve the business that the, uh, the directors and the management of companies can still be attacked under those DPNs. Um, because basically someone dropped the ball and just didn't deal with the issues. That seems to be happening a lot and uh, it's unfortunate. Okay. Well, look, uh, I've, I wrote a little blog piece on, uh, on this topic the other day. Let's just quickly go through some of my points. Um, the first one is, uh, you know, when you're getting advice, you need to determine your specific needs and goals. Um, and, you know, I, I guess 
there's one thing to determine your specific needs and goals, but I guess you've got to first work out what, what the problem is. I suppose if you're talking to a lawyer, then they're going to look for a legal solution. If you're talking to an insolvency practitioner, obviously maybe they're going to look in terms of, of um, you know, formal restructure. For example, if you're talking to a financier, uh, they may be going to provide, a, a, you know, some sort of refinance solution, but all of those things might be relevant. Maybe one, some of them aren't relevant. And if it's the wrong advisor, you're solving the wrong problem. How, how do you suggest people go about uh, finding out what the right problem is? Well, I think um, you'll sit down and listen as an advisor about what the objective is. And, um, you know, sometimes we've had enough, it's a closure of a company. Sometimes is, and, and hopefully most of the time, is we want to preserve the business. What are our options? What, uh, what, what can we do to move forward? Um, how can we take advantage of the issues we have in our business today, whether that's a downsize, uh, a, a change in direction, uh, a merger, a sale, what can we bring together um, to ensure survival of our business? So I think that finding out what the director's objective is initially um, and what, um, what options are available and bring that to the table and, and have a uh, mature conversation around uh, what that looks like. Can I ask you now, I've, I've, I know I've spoken to, to people such as yourself and, you know, you have got experience and you sit down with the client and their accountant, they're in a situation and you give them honest advice as to what, you know, what you believe they should do. But it's not what they want to hear. They want to hear something else, right? And because you're giving them the right advice, they go shopping around until they get someone giving them the wrong advice. And then they, I mean, how do you how do you deal with, with that? I mean, you know what I'm talking I about. I think that, look, again, it's, it's a little human nature. And, you know, cost is always an issue. And, you know, what I'd say to that, and, uh, you know, talking to some of my team today, this, this, this has come up recently, cost and value that for your business, which usually means making decisions for your family, um, Taking the cheapest option is not always the best one, and and um, sometimes taking the cheapest option leads to the most expensive mistake you can make. And um, so I caution on 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 cost. Um, it's about finding the right advisor who can provide you the best possible outcome, and uh, putting their experience behind that to you know to ensure all the stakeholders are. Uh, looked after and that's not just the creditor group uh the director group and and the shareholders uh and particularly in smes with you know family family businesses the employees particularly well not to mention the wrong advice or the cheap advice it might be all well and good now but you know there's regulators all over the place uh, you could solve the problem now but you've got regulators all over you in six in six months time you know i used in my article i used an analogy of the parachute and I suppose if you're going to jump out of a burning aircraft, you're not going to ask for the cheapest parachute, are you? Uh, you know, you, no, that's, you know, that's why most parachutes have got two ripcords. And uh, if yeah. you pull the first one that doesn't open, you at least have one second option before you get the ground. Yeah, I mean, you certainly, well, you certainly, yeah, you, you certainly don't want to cheap it out. Um, you know, I often say to people, you know, if you're asking the price, you're probably asking the wrong question. If you're in, a, if you're in a, if you're in a, a drag race for pricing, then you, you know, you're probably not in, in, uh, in, in a distressed scenario. Um, but it, it, I do know that again, particularly in your industry, uh, you know, a good experienced person, you know, gives the right advice, but because they're not offering it for ten thousand dollars. 
and you know they get passed over and of course it ends up being a lot more expensive later on my next point was uh, look for relevant experience um so if you're uh, you know obviously the relevant experience as far as you're concerned is someone whose initials are you know nc but i mean apart from uh, apart from that what what do you suggest people look for guidelines in, in choosing an advisor when it comes to experience yeah i think there's, there's probably two parts of that i mean there's the easy part where you're looking at a, an advisor or a practitioner's uh, experience, um, their professional background, um, that that particular uh, advisor might come with references and, and, and testimonials. And testimonials are really only relevant if they're coming from someone, I think, who will definitely put their name to something in the past um, rather than just, you know, um, Adam said we're good. You know, it's very much um, just doing some digging, doing some due diligence around that, understanding maybe uh, uh, that professional uh, advisors uh, network and trying to work through um, and understand what, um, with his background, what uh, matters he's worked on before, who he's worked with and what were the successful outcomes. There's also that uh, cultural and, and demographic side of things that uh, where an advisor uh, may be chosen because of a cultural back, background and we, we see that in uh, very much in, uh, in the Chinese community and in the Arabic community um, and staying in that demographic may not always be the, uh, the best outcome sometimes it's best to to move to a, uh, a different advisor uh, that's recommended that uh, can, can move through the issues rather than someone who might be a related party someone who um, is, is some sort of distant relative as well so um, I'd be sort of suggesting some caution around that, but uh, I think experience and references and word of mouth usually can find you the right the right advisor initially to have that initial chat, and then you've got to be feel comfortable with that that advisor, and uh, and because you're going to be working closely together, you need to have some rapport, you need some uh, a working um, arrangement going forward, um, a working relationship to to make things happen. So. I think all those things as a combination are, are pretty important. Look, let's 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 pick on uh, on lawyers because we don't have a lawyer with us here now. Yeah, I mean, not? how would you 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 go on? You know, you meet an accountant gives you a call and they say, "Listen, I've got this client who's in a bit of trouble. You know, can you give us some advice?" I mean, one of the one of the things I say is you've you've got to have a lawyer because uh, obviously an insolvency practitioner uh, you know looks to maximise outcomes for all stakeholders. Uh, you know, you can't just act for the director, obviously, whereas a, a lawyer can do that. I mean, what are some of the things you'd say to someone when, when they come to choose a lawyer, for example? I mean, a lawyer is a critical advisor in a distress scenario. Um, how would you, you know, what are some of the criteria? It's probably similar answer I've just given, but um, there's probably two parts of the lawyer side of things. If, uh, if the, a director or accountant comes to, to you with a client, um, sometimes they have already the, the local law. They might have, a, if they come from the suburbs, they might have a, a local lawyer, but you're probably wanting to, to suggest that they need some specialised advice, particularly uh, from the insolvency community, and there's a lot of, a lot of good lawyers um, in, that, in that area, um, because if the client needs some type of external administration and they have a lawyer, um, then it's usually the practitioner would need to get a a second lawyer to act for, I guess, the, uh, the administrator and for the creditors and, and all the different stakeholders outside the director group. So there's 
there's a couple of nuances there where there's different personalities need to be at the table at different times um, going, going forward. Yeah, I, I had a, an experience late last year where there was a lawyer who was not an insolvency expert, uh, and, and I'm not a lawyer at all, obviously, uh, but but he, we, the client wanted some funding to pay out a creditor, a supplier, uh, but there was about five or six suppliers with legal action, but there was one at the front of the queue, and the lawyer was saying, look, uh, just, just, just give us the money so we can pay the guy at the front of the queue. And I said, well, no, you've got to solve the whole problem because as soon as you pay the guy at the front of the queue, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, substituting, uh, right? Um, then the next guy is going to be there and then the next one, the next one, the next one. We need to, you need to solve the whole problem. And, um, you know, I said to the lawyer, like, what, what, what are you going to do if we pay out that first creditor, but then the, the second creditor liquidates his business anyway? And in the lawyer's attitude, oh, well, that's a risk we, you know, we have to take. Um, and it reminded me of the, you know, the old saying about doctors burying their mistakes. Um, so you definitely need someone who is experienced in the field, like with, 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 with specific experience. Um, what about operational, uh, you know, people, advisors, because when, when you're thinking of a distress scenario, you know, you've got, you've got lawyers, you've got insolvency advice. I mean, sometimes you'll get some uh, operational management strategic advice as well. No, that's absolutely necessary. I mean, we've got a matter at the moment, we've got a, a, a construction group where we need to finish off um, particular buildings and in you know whilst we're um, experiencing construction and insolvency matters there's some technical aspects we we need to bring in you know experts from and we've got probably a team of um, six or so where we've you know had to bring in from town planners to specialized builders to um, people that can liaise with councils to, to getting all all the issues sorted um, to ensure that these uh, buildings uh, are constructed to the you know, correct position to get them sold to maximize the, the best return for the creditor group and, and, and hopefully having a, a return to shareholders. So bringing in um, um, purpose uh, built experts for the strategy of completing a building or another type of uh, assignment is, is absolutely necessary. And in every industry, there is a different experts and those experts are, um, are required to get the best possible result. And uh, um, even lawyers or accountants are, cannot be specialists in all fields. We can have a, a, a general knowledge and we can have some good experience, but we do need to bring in third party experts at, at, at various times to, you know, to give us that opportunity to get the best possible result. I must say, I'm always wary of the expert. You know, you ask them, uh, you know, what what industry do you specialise in? And the, the, the answer is just about, well, well, what industry have you got? You know, I specialise in everything, and uh, I'm always I always think, uh, you know, the person that says they specialise in everything is quite possibly someone who uh, who specialises uh, in nothing. I, I mean, in the construction industry, obviously, in particular, you need, you know, there's all. all I guess any industry, um, you know, it's always handy if you're able to pick up the phone to someone. I think that's important because uh, what you don't want to do is um, appoint an advisor who is learning on the on the on, on your. Oh, God, there's a massive, a massive cost there, and uh, oh. it's a great learning experience for the for the new advisor. But uh, yeah, um, I agree. You you can't specialize in everything, and and uh, many of the the matters that um, come come to core quarters, we we need to go on a beauty parade of why 
we are uh, we think we're the preferred uh, experts in this particular area, and, and people have to put up their expertise and uh, and, and confirm that you know um, they've had some good experience and some live matters recently in those particular industries, and you know that's a good norm to have. Um, otherwise, banks, financiers, lenders such as yourselves or or directors are uh, potentially finding experts who are learning on the on the run. Yeah, I mean, that is a real bugbear, uh, experts learning on the run. You know, as you say, it's great for the kid, you know. Uh, I, I'm thinking of recent examples where, you know, we've sent our finance documents off and it's gone to the lawyer for the client. And the next thing, uh, you know, it comes back with about a thousand questions, you know, and most of them are irrelevant. I mean, you, you do a LinkedIn search of the person who's asking the questions. It turns out they, you know, they only finished school about four years ago. And uh, obviously the partners just said, oh, look, we'll dump this on, uh, you know, on, on, on Susan or Johnny. And it's, it's, as you say, it's a great training exercise for them. Presumably the customer's still paying for, for their time. Uh, but all it's doing is, is gumming up the works. And that's probably a, a soft example, you know, because that's only over signing a set of documents. But as you say, uh, again, as a, as a financier, uh, uh, you know, you, you usually you'll see the insolvency guy comes in, you know, someone distinguished such as yourself and there's uh, there's again there's someone who, who, who looks like you know probably young enough to be one of my kids and you think I really hope uh, I'm not going to be it's not I'm not dealing with that youngster for the rest of this matter um, so so there's there's no doubt about that um, one of the I'll just sort of run through some of my other uh, you know, we, we sort of talked about uh, checking references and and credentials um, We've kind of touched a little bit on uh, considering communication style. Obviously, you need to be comfortable with the person you're working with. But on the other hand, you know, if they're giving you some tough love, you need to accept that as well. But I suppose the person, you know, if you've got an advisor, they're going to be representing you to your own employees, to other creditors, you know, to the banks. And I, and I suppose you have to make some sort of an assessment on that. What's your, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think if you um, you, you accept um, you're appointed as, a, as the advisor for a, a company, you're, you're now in, in charge. You're the you're the champion for all the creditors, the stakeholders, um, directors, and other parties, and you're you're on the chair to, to get a result and uh, um, the best possible outcome. And yeah, you need to have a uh, a reasonable communication style with all those parties and all those parties are different and uh, uh, sometimes the messaging needs to be coordinated to ensure you know, everybody is uh, on board, everyone's moving forward in the one direction uh, to get that best possible outcome and uh, um, I think that messaging uh, for different uh, stakeholders is important because um, you know without everyone paddling in the right direction then uh, then um, you know, you're going to have a bit of a titanic moment. So you need you need everyone on board and you need that messaging to um, to confirm that. Well, as you say, if it goes wrong for the advisor, you know, they just chalk it up for experience and hopefully they get it right next time. If it, if it goes wrong for the client, you know, they could lose their house, lose their marriage. Very you cool. know, it's, 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 it's absolutely devastating, you know. So, uh, so, 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 you know, the mistakes on, on the other side of the... Uh, on the other side of the fence uh, are a lot higher price. Um, I've got another point, uh, you know, I've got one here, evaluate personality and values. I've written that in my article, but we, we've kind of covered off, uh, off that. I've got another one here, check network. 
And the reason I've got that there is because, as you know, any uh, any distress scenario, it's 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 always it always needs a lawyer. It needs an insolvency advisor. It might need an industry expert or someone who can assist with uh, an operational situation. You know, you need someone who's going to uh, who can you know capital raise a capital raising expert who can provide the right capital raising advice. Um, I mean, certainly when it comes to capital raising, I would say that your advisor needs to be someone who has experience in in raising capital in your specific scenario. You know, if you're only talking to your home loan broker, um, they they may not necessarily, you know, they might, they, they might look at it and go, well, look, we can get some more money against your home. But meanwhile, you've got, you know, you've got equipment, you've got receivables, you've got all sorts of other things going on, and you may not be getting the broad enough advice. Uh, and ditto, as we mentioned before. Uh, so I, 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 one of my pieces of advice is to ask the advisor, who else are they going to be bringing to the table? And checking those people out as well. What, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that, that's, that's, that, it's good advice because uh, particularly on the, on the level of business, yeah, I, I agree, you, um, you might be looking uh, for a sale of that business. Um, you may need to, uh, whilst looking at that, those options around sale, that can be a number of different forms. So you may need to raise capital. So what sort of M&A uh, assistance do you need there um, during that sale? You may need to be trading on. So um, what are we doing about um, you know, factoring debtors or invoice discounting? And you know, who do we who do we have in our armory there to um, uh, to assist? We may have a lot of employees groups, so we want to have you know contacts with um, uh, the Attorney General's Department and Feg. Um, to look after some of the issues there, what union um, issues do we need to, to combat, um, and and also dealing um, with the regulators. Um, and I say that uh, broadly because um, I've got a couple of pharmacies on our books at the moment that uh, you know, we have to deal with the Pharmacy Council of New South Wales, and each industry have, has its different bodies and guilds, and, and other areas where you know you need to have uh, some rapport with, you need to have uh, some relationships to get things happening quickly. And the biggest issue, one of the great issues for advisors and, and what we do is time. Time is very important to get the right result. And um, you know, time is important for you know certain milestones, and particularly when you're trading on a business and keeping keeping business alive. So um, yeah, I think all those those issues are important. Yeah, I, I, I really, I really think it's it's, a, it's certainly a question I ask is is who else is going to be at the table? Who else are we going to be dealing with? Um, and you know, you've got time. Find out who they are. Check them out. Look them out on LinkedIn. Do a search for them in the newspaper. Uh, all, all of that sort of stuff because uh, it really is a it is a team sport. And as you say, you know, time is of the essence, um, etc. I've got this other uh, sort of bonus. Uh, Bonus uh, piece of advice is don't sign anything your lawyer hasn't checked. Um, I wonder, you know, I mean, certainly I, I, I've said to you before that one of my bugbears is, you know, the wrong financial advisor has suggested the wrong financial solution. And even though they've, you know, no money's changed, no money's been provided, the client signed a clause uh, saying that if you don't proceed, you've got to pay us $200,000 as a, you know, whatever it might be, you know, fee for this or a fee for that. And all of a sudden, that's an extra two hundred thousand dollars you've got to find. Um, and you think, you know what? Why, why would you sign a document like that without showing it to your lawyer first? I mean, I know everything's critical, 
But, you know, and, and I'm sure there'd be times when someone's asked you for advice, but they've already signed up elsewhere. Yeah, look, uh, I'd go one step earlier and say don't sign anything you haven't read. Um, and that's amazing uh, to make that comment, but I, I see so many people have signed stuff and they say, we just didn't read, uh, let alone uh, have a lawyer check it. But uh, absolutely, any, any legal document needs um, some legal input and uh, there's too many great lawyers in uh, in. Uh, uh, Metropolitan Sydney or, or, or New South Wales that you can call on to make sure sure that happens and uh, yeah look uh, sometimes we uh, are not the first advisors to be called upon and, and by the time um, third parties come to us then they have signed certain documents which can make their life a little bit uh, more difficult uh, particularly if that's in relation to finance or particularly uh, um, some type of loans or to some type of financing that doesn't really um, um, reflect their business well. I had, I've dealt with a lot of cash businesses who actually, the banks have actually called on and said, uh, we'll give you an invoice discounting or debt, uh, debt factoring arrangement when it's a cash business. And that leads to unfortunately bad behavior. And uh, you know, the bank should have seen that that wasn't a fit. Well, the other thing is, of course, that they could just lose, they could lose two weeks trying to apply for something they're never going to qualify for. I've seen that time and again as well. You know, yeah, someone says, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get that deal done over here. And, uh, you know, two weeks goes by and, you know, the client's got it in their head. I need that money on the 15th of, of March and the 15th of March arrives and it lands on my desk. And it's like, well, I can't do it this afternoon, you know, <laughs> I need a little bit of time as well, but that time's been wasted. Another thing that I know that happens, uh, that happens in your profession is, and I've seen it happen with my clients, is, you know, the client rings me up and says, oh, I've just gone into administration, I've signed up with XYZ, and I say, well, did you get any advice? Why, why did you have to sign right now? Like, why, 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 what was this afternoon so critical? And I say, oh, well, they told me that if I, if I didn't sign right now, I was trading insolvent and I could go to jail and, you know. And, of course, if you'd said to them, can you name someone who's gone to jail in the last 10 years for insolvent trading, they, they wouldn't be able to name someone. Or maybe you can name someone, I, I don't know. But um, have you come across those scenarios? I mean, I, I've seen it a lot. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, I think um, you only know what you know and if you, you're coming from uh, um, an area of management where you, you're not a favour of what uh, administration means or liquidation means, uh, you, you are as a director or, or a party learning on the run and you, you, you know, people tell you things and you you listen to that and some people take that to heart without probably checking checking that further. Um, it's always good to have a chat with, 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 with you know, or two or so advisors and as I said, there's, there's usually a little bit of a beauty parade when you're, you're choosing someone that's going to take out your business. But I think you've got to turn you to your accountant and lawyer and ask, you know, is that right? And if you don't have one of the two of those things, you need to sort that out quickly. But uh, yeah, I think um, sanity you know, should prevail. Take a breath and and, and find out the right uh, the right road forward before making a quick decision. Um, generally, these things don't have to be made made in twenty four hours. There is there is exceptions, particularly when people find out they have a DPN that's expiring that day. But other than that. You know, you do have, you know, you do have 24, 48 hours to, to make some make some informed decision. It comes back to your first question. Is that why, you know, you want to have a decent advisor um, that your people around you can send you to to have a quick chat with? 
And um, I, I think that, uh, um, what was I going to say? Well, the other thing is too that I, I know that with yourself, you know, if the only advice the person's giving you is uh, sign up with me, uh, there could be a problem as well. And I, I know that, uh, you know, there'll be some, uh, you know, some insolvency advisors that, that, that ring me up and say, look, this, this person's crossed my desk, but, you know, they really should be able to avoid a formal administration. We've given them a little bit of advice around their cash flows, but, but we think they might need some finance or, you know, maybe it's, you know, or, or something like that where you go, you know, you, you know look, this one's not for me. I'm, I, uh, it doesn't need me yet, but it might need me down the track. Um, but if the solution is always, you know, so, sign up with me, then I, I'm a little bit wary of that as well. Yeah, I think that what comes past your desk a lot is um, parties you've dealt with before, and there could be some independence or some conflict issues that arise, and and then you, you are, you know, um, required, I guess, to to pass those those potential files over to some other trusted. Uh, advisors in your network, whether that's um, sending them to see a lawyer first and then a lawyer may uh, may then choose their their trusted advisors. But uh, um, yeah, from time to time, um, yeah, you need to, to pass over issues, uh, you know, because the, you know, the regulator said that, you know, you shouldn't be the person to, to look after them and you have to uh, hand on the heart deal with that and, uh, and do the right thing by the client and, and move that on. Okay. Well, look, uh, we've certainly covered all my points. Um, anything else you, you want to add? Yeah, I guess it's interesting. We had uh, our International Women's Day uh, function on Wednesday. Some of our uh, uh, clients and uh, had a bit of a panel. And one, one of the ladies on our panel uh, was talking about family law and uh, getting the right advice. And one of the, the issues that came up in that discussion was that family lawyer, um, part of the advisor is a lot of the information that they're giving, but also a lot of the advice is nearly like therapy um, because there's a lot of, you know, I guess social and personal issues that arise um, when dealing with which advisor you should should choose because I guess there's uh, a lot of emotion and there's a lot of, uh, um, you know, necessary uh, um, personal issues there that need to be dealt with. So um, just another side of, I guess, of uh, the pure financial side of the advisory is that uh, there is always a human, social, personal element to, to what we do. And uh, you know, we're all uh, human. And um, that that is, I guess, an important part of uh, choosing an advisor as well as having that, uh, that right discussion. Um, initially, we touched on it earlier with collaboration and, uh, you know, building relationships um, and working together. That's a really interesting point you make. I mean, I know, uh, you know, in our place, particularly when we first take a file on and, you know, there's there's a little bit of chaos going on and, you know, while the pressure, you know, that was usually the first couple of weeks where there's lots of pressure, you know, until things settle down. And, you know, some of my staff, you know, they almost seem to become family counsellors. You know, the, the, the client's got, no, you know, no one else to talk to who understands the situation that they're in. You know, you don't necessarily want to tell all your mates, uh, you know, that you may or may not be able to make payroll this week and, you know, your wife could be about to walk out on you because, you know, you're not able to make the school fees and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, it, it, you know, we, we yeah, you, you do particularly, you know, because we're dealing with uh, with a lot of distress and what have you, it is very personal. I mean, there are, we're not dealing with, 
you know, the private equity firms and the public companies who, you know, it might go bad and they can just find another job. You know, we're dealing with people who, you know, who their whole life, these are life-changing events. Yeah, I think uh, distress and uncertainty, that, that gravitates all those issues um, to the top and they bubble away and, yeah, you have people in your boardroom that, that are in tears, but you've just got to break things down to its simplest form and and then, um, you know, deal with one issue at a time. And I think if you can go through those building blocks and, and, and show how uh, those blocks can turn into the right possible outcome, you know, with lots of effort and and uh, and uh, some things going your way, then then you can uh, you know can really uh, provide a provide a solution and be helpful. Okay, all right, Neil. Well, we've uh, we've, we've uh, had a good chat. Time's gone by very quickly. So uh, I'll say to you, thank you very much uh, for no, thank you for uh, taking up yeah for coming along. Uh, have a great weekend. Okay. Yeah, you too. Take it easy. Cheers, Cheers. now. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Thanks. Bye.